Well, let's talk books now. Catherine Ross is our book critic, focusing mainly on books for young people. And, well, six weeks or so till Christmas, Catherine. Yes, so I thought that I'd maybe look towards Christmas and do uh, some suggestions for Christmas gifts for young people. Um, So I know it's not always an ideal uh, gift and that when they see that roughly Xbox game-sized present, they're always a bit disappointed when it's unwrapped. But, um, you know, once they've escaped into that different world and used their... uh, probably very underused imaginations, they will definitely thank you for it. Yeah, and and a lot of people might just go into a big bookstore and pick something from the top of the bestseller list, but you've got some more, I won't say more challenging, but maybe more interesting choices today for us. Yeah, absolutely. I've tried to think about unusual texts that I've really enjoyed, but that aren't on the top 100. And actually, when I looked back over my notes, um, I realised what I've done is pick stories about very different um, kids who yeah. are all on journeys of, ex- of of discovery. I didn't mean to, but that's kind of obviously what was calling to me when cool. I was putting the list together. Yeah, and uh, you're going to start with, I suppose, the what we might call the middle school years, 10 to 12-year-olds. Yeah, so this is what publishers would call middle grade, um, so sort of intermediate, late primary. Um, so this one's called The Polar Bear Explorers Club. Um, it is book one in a series. Um, so this is about Stella. She was found as a baby. She was abandoned in the snow in the Iceland. Um, but she and her adopted father, Felix, who uh, found her, have created a really happy, uh, rule-free, unconventional life um, for each other. Um, and Felix is a member of the Polar Bears Explorers Club. Now, this is a club of gentlemen adventurers um, whose essential items kit always includes a moustache comb, obviously, um, and definitely, definitely no girls. <laughs> So, um, but when they're preparing for another expedition up to the Iceland where Stella was found, she decides that she's not taking no for an answer and she's going on this trip. So you can probably see what's coming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, before the entire party is even unloaded from the ship, um, Stella and a crew of other sort of junior members on the expedition have been entirely cut off from the group with nothing but a pack of untrained wolves to keep them alive. Mm-hmm. But it's a real adventure story, but it's also very funny, very irreverent. And to be honest, it is set in a magical world, so all the kids have their own special abilities, and they're still they're finding themselves. Um, and they're um, and Stella, of course, we need to find out how she managed to survive being exposed to these very cold temperatures. So they've all got stories um, that will unfold on their adventure. Thank you, and uh, shouldn't be too hard to find. Only a few years old, the Polar Bear Explorers Club by Alex Bell. How about the Brave by James Bird? Yep. So unfortunately, this is another book with a chronically awful cover. Um, which makes, <laughs> so please don't be put off. It makes a genuinely good book a really hard sell, which is such a shame. Um, yeah. But this is about uh, a young teenager called Colin. He is on the spectrum. Um, and this manifests uh, itself with him as a compulsion to count every letter that people say to him. And of course, this causes bullying um, and he's constantly getting into fights and trouble at school. And poor Colin's single father is well out of his depth. And after the final sort of incident at school, um, he is sent off to live with his mother who left when he was a baby and he has no real connection with her. Um, she's a Native American and she lives on the um, Ojibwe reservation. So he goes off to live on the reservation with her. And so he life is very different there and he learns a lot more obviously about his Native American side, but also comes to terms with his differences and who he is and his history. Um, he does become close with a teenage girl next door who is suffering from a terminal illness. So there is a, this is quite a sad story. Um, there is a little there is death um, involved in the story. 
But for me, the biggest thing about the book was there's quite a bit of metaphor, which some kids will get, some kids won't. Yeah. Um, but there's this big reveal twist at the end, which I absolutely did not see coming, which is typical of me. But <laughs> um, it was absolutely obvious when you go back over the book oh, and cool. read the thing. You're like, oh, how did I not see that? <laughs> so that, that great really for is kids, really eh? great for, for that, Great yeah. for kids, big twist. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, that's The Brave by James Bird for a little older, 11 to 12-year-olds, 12 plus. Yep, so this one's called Tins by Alex Shearer. It is amazing, a bit of an older book, um, definitely worth looking for. It's a really quirky out there story that makes you just want to keep reading to work out what's going to happen. So this is about a boy called Fergal, and Fergal collects tins. And not just any tins, but tins out of the bargain basket at the supermarket whose mm-hmm. labels have fallen off. So it's a complete lucky dip. You could get mushy peas, you could get pineapple. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but one day he finds, he, he gets one and open, opens one. It sounds, it's very light. And he, it turns out there's nothing in it but a gold earring. Uh, then a few weeks later, he finds another oddly shaped, uh, oddly sounding one. And when he opens it, he finds a human finger. Mm, this is a good uh, premise for a book. I love it. Yes, exactly. Um, so naturally, I mean, what else would a child do with it? You put it in the freezer. I mean, who would go to the police or your parents? No, no of you course. wouldn't do that. Of yeah. course not. Um, so, and then carries on. So, But one day he reaches into the bin and discovers Charlotte, who is also reaching for an unlabeled tin. And I will admit slightly unbelievably, um, Charlotte is the same age, is also in the same area, and also collects unlabeled tins. So, uh, you know, <laughs> suspend disbelief yep. a little bit on that yep. one. Um, she's also discovered some rather unsavory items. And so, you know, rather than doing anything about it, they decide to investigate the situation themselves. Um, so as a parent, I was literally screaming at these characters, please just go and tell someone. Um, but <laughs> any, any kids that I'd given the book to, they were like, no, of course not. Of course you'd put it in the freezer. And look, and yeah, and to yourself. be fair, half of the uh, shows on Netflix feature someone getting into trouble and then instead of just going to someone in authority and sorting it out, they, they decide to take matters into their own hands and that's kind of the premise Absolutely. of the whole TV show. Absolutely. And obviously kids connect to that. It's like, yeah, of course we would. Um, So, yeah, so basically that's what happens. Fergal gets himself into quite a bit of trouble. So there are some warnings with this. Obviously the body parts in cans uh, is quite a big warning. Um, And he does get himself into a little bit of trouble at the end. So maybe not for the more sensitive um, child. Yeah, okay. Uh, That's Tins by Alex Shearer. How about A Kind of Spark by L. McNichol? Yeah, so I love this book. This is um, Rita. It's it's a real genuine insight into li- what life can be like when you're on the spectrum um, and because it's written by somebody who's on the spectrum. So it's a really clever description of um, how they react to things, why, um, why um, they react to things. So basically it's about a, a, young, a young teenager called Addie and her teacher announces that in the lead-up to Halloween, um, the class is going to do this lovely fun project and learn about the 17th century witch trials. <clears throat> so, which happened in her small Scottish town. Um, so, and Addie is absolutely horrified to discover, as, as we all know, that a lot of these young women were, were tortured and found guilty of witchcraft and executed um, based on things like being left-handed or behaving yeah. slightly differently. Yeah. Um, so Addie actually reads some of these um, accounts and decides that actually a lot of the women were displaying characteristics of being on the spectrum like her, which is quite an interesting concept. Um, and something you know we haven't really thought about before. Um, so she decides that she's going to make the town build a memorial to these innocent victims and try and make up 
for the wrongs of the past. The town's not very happy about this. They want to whitewash it all and, and forget mm. about the past. So um, that's that's the story. But I think it's beautifully written because obviously she deals with bullying, uh, including her teacher who just can't seem to understand the mechanisms that she has in place to cope with, with daily life. Um, and it's just a very um, insightful book uh, and explains things very logically. Um, but it's also just a really lovely story. Cool. Okay. It's called A Kind of Spark. And then a couple of books, and if you just tuned in, Catherine Ross, our book critic, is taking us through some suggested books uh, that might make good Christmas gifts. Uh, and now for readers, 13+. plus. Yes, so I love this one, The Dead Queen's Club by Hannah Catherine. It is amazing. Um, it is a remix, but instead of being a remix of a classical uh, piece of literature, it's a retelling of history. So this is the story of Henry VIII and his uh, six rather unfortunate wives. Um, and it is just as dramatic when it's set in a 21st American high school um, mm. as it was in Tudor yeah. England. So Henry is homecoming king. His best mate is Annie, whose nickname is Cleves, because she's originally from Cleveland. So, so far, so familiar. Um, Henry has a rather checkered dating history. So, yep, tick that one. Um, (laughs) One of his girlfriends has already died. And his latest girlfriend, Katie Howard, um, has has died right after it was discovered she was dating another football player behind Henry's back. So is it all just a coincidence or is Henry in the middle of it all? So the book, the thing about this book is it's narrated entirely by Cleves, the female friend. And so it gives a voice back to the female players in the story. And she's sassy and she's mouthy and she calls out the double standard misogynistic behavior when she sees it. Um, and to be honest, not being familiar with the nuances of Tudor history is not a problem because it's a very good whodunit, you know, a nice, fun um, whodunit story with some messages to, to, to tell. Um, but I just found that if you do know a little bit about the history, it's very, very cleverly done, um, and the shadowing of the history is, is, and the interpretation into a modern setting is brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. I don't um, Cleves. What is the what's the connection there? So Anne, Anne Cleves was the uh, fourth wife. Oh, was I okay? She was the one who survived because she divorced. Uh, he she agreed to the divorce or the annulment of the marriage. Yeah. And so they became good friends, and she uh, lived very happily and successfully in oh, the Oh, what court a clever take. That. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, The Dead Queen's Club by Hannah Capen, uh, C-A-P-I-N. And then finally, from Catherine today, The Art of Taxidermy. Yeah, so this is one I've recently discovered, and it's a verse novel. So I've spoken about verse novels. Obviously, they're uh, written in free text. They're sort of short, punchy paragraphs. They're quite good for reluctant readers. But this one is a little bit more complex. So um, maybe not uh, straight into this one for reluctant readers. So it deals with grief and loss and how people deal with grief and loss. So it's about a young teenager uh, called Lottie who lost her mother when she was very young. And she's been trying to find ways of dealing with that loss ever since. So it's set in Australia and it's set, it's historical, but it's sort of 1950s, 60s. And so Lottie has taken to collecting dead birds and creatures and stuffing them and bringing them back to life in that sense. And so this is a hobby that her very worried aunt finds morbid and depressing and difficult. And unfortunately, she goes to some extremely cruel measures to to stop her from doing it. Um, But as the story unfolds, we discover that the whole family is dealing with a lot of trauma and it's all based in a part of Australian history that we don't often hear a lot about. Um, and so it's all sort of intertwined and related, but nobody's really connected Lottie's 
desire to bring these animals back to life with a way of dealing with her loss. Um, so everybody has things to deal with in the story, and I just thought it was very beautifully told um, and in beautiful, beautiful language. Thank you for your excellent recommendations, Catherine. We'll put them up on our website, rnz.co.nz slash jesse, if anyone needs to check any of those titles or authors. Uh, will I get to talk to you before Christmas? Might be a close thing, actually. Might be a close thing. I'm okay. not sure. I'm not sure when I'm scheduled for next. Okay. Well, thank you for your excellent work this year and for the last few years. Uh, it's, it's great, and I always end up cutting and pasting your list and sending it to my 12-year-old daughter. Um, <laughs> so I uh, appreciate that service too. Thanks, Catherine. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Jesse. Thank you.